I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. All right, what's happening, everybody? Um, Friday, August 13th, as I'm recording, and it should also be Friday as you are listening to this, if I can get it up in time. Last night was cool. You know, if you're a baseball fanatic, you know, not necessarily a fan of the Yankees or White Sox, it was cool, right? It was just straight up just as a baseball fan, that was really, really cool. Um, You know, most baseball fans have seen the movie Field of Dreams. And just looking at it from that perspective and not not from the perspective of, of what we're going to get to later as a Yankees fan, as a diehard Yankees fan, you know, wave fist that cloud type of Yankees fan. We're going to get my perspective on things in a bit. But if we're just talking straight up baseball fan watching a baseball team playing Iowa in the cornfields last night. That was pretty friggin' majestic. That was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, obviously you had a big theme of the night was was Kevin Costner. Obviously, as the main character of that movie, he was. They were interviewing him in the pregame. Um, he stopped by the booth with Buck and Schmoltz during the game a few for a few innings, and yeah, I think in the post game as well. So he was he was obviously a big part. Came out through the cornfields. They had that whole little, uh, I don't know what you call it, scene with him in the beginning, walking through cornfields and walking around the field and just kind of reminiscing, reminiscing. And that was cool. And they had the players coming in from the cornfields in the outfield. So everything about last night from a baseball fan's perspective was, was pretty cool. You know, the stadium setup, the landscape, just the cornfields surrounding everything. They had on the telecast, they played the Field of Dreams score. You know, the attire, and not just the, the uniforms that the players were wearing, but the journalists and the reporters were wearing all these, you know, this old school attire. They had these different commercials that they shot. Um, it was really, really interesting to see. And as somebody who has seen Field of Dreams, I thought this was very reminiscent of the movie. It gave you that same vibe, um, that same feel of, of, of that soothing, calm, dreamy, cozy, I guess, type of a vibe, I guess. Um, it was interesting. It was really nice to see, though. Uh, so that was cool. That was cool. And obviously the game was it was exactly what any baseball fan, again, just in general, would have liked to see. It was a very well tight-played game. It was exciting. At no point was there a blowout. You know, I think the Yankees were down by as many as three or four runs, but it wasn't ever a blowout. And obviously the end of it, you had eight runs or six runs in the final inning. That was as exciting as you can get. And there, it, it was a good, good game from, again, just a, a baseball fan's perspective. Now, as a Yankees fan, uh, as a diehard Yankees fan, who's going to shake his his fist at the clouds? Like I said, 
we have a whole thing we're going to get to in a second. Um, but again, it's, it was really cool because just seeing it, the, they had this, this, the shit technology can do, man. I'm telling you like these drone shots they had were incredible last night. They had a drone going into the field of dreams house, like the house that the character was, his name was Ray in the movie. Uh, Costner's character lived in the drone shot literally going into the window of the upstairs and giving a tour throughout the house it was really really interesting it, it just makes you it wows you at, at the shit we can do and this whole thing this whole setup was built in in less than two years like a year and a half they said they made to make it right so that's just it, it's just amazing so you have to credit first and foremost Major League Baseball for setting this thing up. Rob Manfred, uh, I'll mention you there in a positive note for once. Um, that was really cool. Is it something they do going forward? I think I read something last night that said... That, um, that they were going to bring it back next year. So that's cool. Now this was something that you I was thinking about. You could probably do this for an all-star game right have the all-star game be played there or you know the home run derby which would be cool just hitting them straight into the cornfields that would be pretty interesting maybe it kind of defeats the purpose because it's it's supposed to be all about the chicago white Sox and they were in the movie and everything but i don't know it's just a thought i had but this was really cool you know it's something i didn't expect to um i don't know i wasn't too thrilled about it going into it not that i gave a shit but that was exactly I just didn't really okay whatever but seeing it actually happen seeing it on TV was really cool I can only imagine what it was like as a spectator from the seats I wonder how much the ticket prices were I think there were only 8,000 fans there but that was a pretty that had to have been a pretty cool experience seeing it live but um yeah man Everything about that was pretty majestic if you're just a baseball fan. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're a baseball fan who's not a Yankees fan, you probably loved it even more because the Yankees are one of those teams where if you don't like them, you hate them. So I can imagine there, uh, there were a lot of happy baseball fans. But as a Yankees fan, we're going to get to my perspective. Uh, when we get back from break. But first, guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, be sure to do that right now. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Anchor, which is our sponsor. Many other listening platforms. You can also watch the podcast. The video feed is available on YouTube. So just search up BD4 BD4 on YouTube. And um, you can also subscribe to the blog that I write. It's my opinion. And you can follow me on social media. All that information, the podcast, the blog, my socials, just go to my link tree for that. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to my link tree. Um, so without further ado, 
this is not going to be a too long of an episode. We're just talking about this one game. But I decided I'd just hop on real quick and give my thoughts on it since it was it was something special for baseball. We're going to head to break. And uh, when we get back, we'll get right to it. Stay with us. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast. All you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this podcast. And I was actually joking with my buddy last night. And now I'm kind of thinking about it. This would be really cool if they did something like this for, it's going to sound stupid, for the Sandlot next. Could you imagine if they set something up? I don't know how that would work. I don't think that could work, but if they played on a friggin' Sandlot, because that's another iconic baseball movie, man. Um, That's one of my favorites. That one I've seen tons of times. I actually don't think I've seen the second one. I don't know if the second one is as popular. Usually, that's not the case. Usually, people do not like the second, the sequels of, of certain movies. Um, but I don't know. I might have to check that out. But the Field of Dreams game last night was, was again, it was iconic if you're just a baseball fan. It was iconic. You have to sit back and enjoy that. Even if you're a Yankees fan, that that you do have to sit back and appreciate the positives of. That was really cool for baseball. You had fans tuning in, right? It was good for the game. It definitely, probably, it had to have had great ratings. I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure it was pretty good. You know, it attracted fans of, of, of baseball. Definitely attracted baseball fans. And it probably attracted some fans who don't watch baseball much. But they, you know, they might have seen the movie Field of Dreams. Costner is popular. So maybe they tuned in. Um, It's funny. I kind of had to adjust because I'm so used to Costner now as as John Dutton from Yellowstone. I, I kind of had to adjust in and tell myself this is we're watching. Uh, what's this character's name? Ray Ray from from Field of Dreams. So <laughs> totally different character, and he actually slipped up. He was talking to to uh, to the guys pregame, and he was saying like just casually talking to them. You could tell he was just talking straight from his hidden his. his himself and he was just saying oh yeah we throw shit all the time in the house <laughs> literally saying that on air and the guys were like whoa whoa but um it was pretty funny it, it was an awesome awesome time if you're a baseball fan now let's get it let's get into it from the perspective as a yankees fan now this was something that um another gut punch right another gut punch loss but another one that many of us are like yeah you know what we're not shocked this is, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I, I was thinking to myself last night. It, it's one of those things where 
it's still like it, it happens so much, something so predictable, yet it's still so painful every time. You know, and it, it sucks for me because I went through a large stretch up until the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago where I had no more emotion. But since they've started winning again, they've got kind of a new revamped type of roster here with the new guys coming over and some guys from from double and triple A coming up and producing. You kind of your emotions kind of get back at your passion kind of comes back. And so these past couple of weeks I've been watching it with a little more intensity. Still not fully invested into this team. I still think they have way too many flaws fundamentally to do anything, but they're more fun, right? You can at least give Cashman credit that they're more fun to watch. So I was watching this with some passion. I wanted them to win, and I, I would have loved for them to win, but it happened late. <laughs> and um, so I was I was, I was was upset. But let's start from the beginning. So you had the players coming in from the cornfields, the game starts, and the top of the first already. Andrew Heaney on the mound for the Yankees. Feeds an 0-2 curveball. Who was it? Somebody. 0-2. Feeds him a curve. Dinger. The Yankees are already down. And Heaney proceeds to serve up three total home runs in the game. So two more after that first inning. He ends up going five innings, seven earned runs. So the Yankees, about in the sixth inning, they're down 7-3. to three. The largest deficit of the night. But that's when Brett Gardner comes through. He gets a big blast. Pulls one to right field. It's 7-4. Lance Lynn, a few at-bats later, comes out of the game. He ends up going five-plus innings, four runs. You know, his usual style of pitching is, is that fastball-heavy approach. And he did attack the Yankees with fastballs, but they, they bit him on a few. Uh, then the Yankees... Against Michael Kopech, you know, up-and-coming big-time prospect. They put, uh, I think they put men on second and third with nobody out. Then you have Voigt with a backwards K. Then you have Odor going down swinging. That ends the inning. Later in the seventh, they have another opportunity here. Wade bunts for, for a hit. He steals second. Eventually, you have the bases loaded for Joey Gallo. But he bounces into a force to end the inning. Still can't get much. In the ninth, though, off Liam Hendricks in relief for Kimbrell, who pitched the eighth. Tyler Wade again leads off the inning with a base hit. Then you get two easy strikeouts to DJ LeMayu and Brett Gardner. So you're thinking this is it. Except the loss, you know, 7-4, to four, I think it would have been. But then Judge goes deep. This cuts it to one. Eight to eight to seven. Or seven to six. Judge makes it seven to six. Down by one. Then Gallo walks. Then Stanton comes to the plate and he shoots one deep into the cornfields. Into the darkness. It was really cool seeing the darkness around it. That's another thing that was very reminiscent of the movie. Outside of the stadium where the lights are. It's just straight up darkness. You could just see the cornfields. So him and Stanton clutch up and make it 8-7 to seven Yankees in the top of the ninth. So now you're kind of buying back in. You're saying, all right, this is it. We got our win. Just just close it out here. And this is when, in the bottom of the ninth, Boone ops for Zach Britton. 
questionable. You could say it was kind of questionable, right? He comes in because I think the big thing here was you want the ground balls. Britain is a guy who doesn't give up homers. But there are some things to it. You could question that lasagna, Johnny Lasagna, also gets a lot of ground balls. And Zach Britton is a lefty facing an all-righty lineup here. But he doesn't opt for Lasagna, who's been very effective all season. And Britton, who struggled and has been on DL, uh, the DL a couple of times a year, this year. He comes in, and he once again sucks. He struggles. He's had a rough season. He's still not there. He walks the number nine batter, and then he serves up a meatball to Tim Anderson, who walks it off. This was a no-doubt or two. I was watching Joey uh, Joe's McFly. His reaction to this was just comical. It was great. It was every Yankees fan's reaction, if you invest your passion as much as he does. Um, and the Yankees lose. And the Yankees lose. It was impressive. It was an impressive swing by Tim Anderson. You know... Um, Britain is not usually a guy you can elevate the ball off of, right? He usually keeps it down and gets hitters to bang it into the ground, but this one was elevated. The pitch was a little up and Tim Anderson took advantage of that. And he shot this one to right center and the game ended just like that. The White Sox walked off. It was an iconic baseball moment, something that's, that's never going to be forgotten. Would have been cool if this was like a, a game with significant meaning, if like this meant the Yankees had their season on the line, if it was a little later in the year and they needed this to make a playoff spot or something like that, but it was still pretty important for them. They needed to win this um, you know, for their standings reasons. But um, Anderson walks it off. Britain, again, just continuing to struggle. But this wasn't lost there. This was lost many other areas as well. First off, Andrew Heaney continuing to throw lunch. He literally throws lunch. I mean, he's got a decent breaking pitch, but his fastball is just meat. And now in three starts as a Yankee, you're looking at this kid, you're not loving it. 15 innings pitched, where he's let up 15 hits, as well as 15 earned runs. Eight home runs, 18 strikeouts, six walks. But this is no shocker to me. It shouldn't be a shocker to anybody. Andrew Heaney is, is somebody who averages 33 home runs given up per 162. And this is even if you exclude this season with both the Angels and the Yankees. In eight years, he has seven seasons with an ERA of 4.15 or worse. Now, there are some injuries that take an, effect, uh, an account there. You know, he's had some seasons where he's only started one to five times a couple of times, but he's not had success in the past. His resume is not impressive. Um, I can't imagine he'll be here for long. You know, you have Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery returning now. Luis Severino, if all continues to go well, he should be here early next week, they're saying. Corey Kluber made a rehab start last night. He didn't pitch well, but he's supposed to be back. They're saying they're targeting September. So you could probably say goodbye to Andrew Heaney and his ever-so-wonderful analytics. You know, the the reason the Yankees got him was, uh, I think it was the Yankee Ivy League department is what I call them. Obsessing over his, you know, walks per nine and his Ks per nine. 
screw off with that. Forget the indicator stats. Look at right now. He's not performing well right now. He's never performed well in the past for elongated stretches. And this is what you're getting. You're getting exactly what you kind of expected. Maybe not this bad, but he's not going to be good. He's not going to be that good. Unless he magically finds something at age 30 with Matt Blake. But this is not a move that like that excited me. Again, these moves the Yankees made at the deadline, you can't get mad at it in terms of them making the deals because they gave up nothing for Rizzo, Gallo, and Heaney. But in terms of them helping the Yankees make that major step and moving the needle, Heaney, Andrew Heaney, isn't somebody who excited me about it. You know, he's not somebody I looked at and said, yes, we traded for Heaney. No. Um, but, you know, you can also look at the bats. And, and we did score, what, seven runs? But we had 14 strikeouts, um, which was a big reason we were one for seven with runners in the scoring position. Just so many missed opportunities because of these strikeouts and these, these some guys just had some poor at-bats. And you look at it, the hitting and the bullpen, heading into the year, those were supposed to be our two biggest strengths, right? But I dug, I dug into the numbers a bit, and I'm looking at the team batting average for the Yankees. is 237. That's 19th in baseball. The Yankees team OPS is 718. That's 17th in baseball. Uh, with runners in scoring position. Their team batting average is 224. That's 29th in baseball. Their OPS with runners in scoring position is 652. That's 28th in Major League Baseball. They have just the 15th most home runs, so dead middle. And they have the 9th most strikeouts and the 9th worst K rate in Major League Baseball. So they're they're performing... You know, we always call them the strikeout or home run walk team, the three true outcome team. But right now, they're doing these three true outcomes. They're first of walks and their top 10 in strikeouts without the home runs being up there too. So they're getting a lot of walks and a lot of Ks, but the home runs are very middling and the hits, they're not getting hits. And that's the biggest thing here. They're not a team who hits. If they're not hitting home runs, they're not going to hit the ball. And when you're only hitting home runs, the 15th most in baseball, and you're still not getting a bunch of hits like you usually don't, your offense is going to be that much worse from previous seasons. So their their bats have not been there this year. Even with the additions of Rizzo and Gallo, their offense is still kind of lacking outside those two. Especially Rizzo. He's been very productive. But, you know, I see Yankees fans getting upset with the addition of Joey Gallo now. And I laugh at it because this is exactly what I expected. I expected, yeah, I was wait. I knew Yankees fans were going to be excited about it because they love those those guys who hit home runs and then they don't care about the average anymore and shit and the strikeouts don't mean anything to them. But, I mean, you look at it. He was 0 for 3 last night with two more walks. Overall, as a Yankee, he's betting a buck 40, 7 for 50, with one home run, a 37% strikeout rate, and a 19% walk rate. This is who you traded for. He's going to hit some home runs. Now, he's not going to have one home run the rest of his way as a Yankee. God forbid. Um, but you you traded for a guy who's going to have a lot of slumps. He's a 210 hitter or something like that. So he's not going to hit the ball. He's just going to hit a lot of home runs and walk. 
but outside that, he's going to strike out most of the time. So you're gonna get a you're gonna get a guy who goes on these seven for fifty stretches. You know, he'll have some hot stretches, but for the most part, he's going to be in slumps a whole bunch of the time, where he's gonna slug a bunch of home runs and walk a lot along the way. His swing is made for Yankee Stadium, sure, but it's also made for slumps and. And those prolonged slumps in October don't always work out. And when you have a Gallo in a lineup that consists of a lot of guys like him, Odor, Sanchez, Stanton, it's not the best way to cook up a gem in the playoffs. When you have elite pitching, looking at a swing like Gallo's, they're going to throw that high heat on him where you can't catch up to it. They're going to expose that strikeout swing. And if he is slumping along with guys like Odor, Sanchez, Stanton, even just a couple of them, that's going to hurt your lineup. And that's a big reason as to why the Yankees go home already every October. So he's a guy who may get hot and get them to the playoffs. But I'm not looking at Joey Gallo and being excited in the long term. Luke Voigt is also dead right now. He's a dud. Makes you miss Anthony Rizzo. It's crazy because he had an MVP type of season last year. I was actually upset he wasn't even placing in the top four for the AL MVP. He didn't even place. But it just looks like he's pressing so much. That's usually the case when Voight is struggling. He's pressing. But he's not having a good season right now. He's batting 227 a 672 OPS. Both of those numbers are significantly down from any other of his seasons as a Yankee. And he's got a 31% K rate. Another guy who strikes out a ton. So with the way he's performing, you can add him to that list. So the offense and the bullpen. Two supposed strengths of this team. Not having the best years. We just told you a bunch of the numbers offensively. The pen. 19 blown saves, which is 10th in Major League Baseball. The bullpen ERA is good. I think it's I think it's 6th. But the key cogs, guys like Aroldis Chapman, guys like Zach Britton, are having down seasons. So, those are two guys that we expected. You know, it's funny because entering the season, I was saying how those are the only two guys I trusted. Although I also said that Britain is getting older and Chapman is getting older a bit as well. But those are the two guys you could kind of look at early entering the year and say, wouldn't be shocked if they performed really, really well. But they've had some some ups and downs along the way. Britain, to to uh, you know a lesser extent, he is a smaller sample size, but he's been horrible in that sample size. And Chapman, obviously he went through that horrid stretch um, and he's kind of found it a bit, but he's now on the COVID list. So the bullpen, the bats, not doing the job. Um, I, I guess the positives here, Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade continues to produce, man. Finally producing like the utility man the Yankees want. Um, he's batting 273. He's batting 273 in the season, which is hard to believe. Now, it's a bit deceiving. He's also got a three four uh, three forty seven on base. It's a bit deceiving though, because he's not done this all year. But he has shown more. Excuse me, 
shown more this season with the Yankees than he has in recent years. 11 stolen bases, four doubles, a triple. He's bunting, he's stealing bases, and he's playing defense. You have to be happy about that with Glaber Torres going down. Tyler Wade comes in, and right away he's been producing for us. So keep playing Wade. I don't want to see this Velasquez kid out there anymore. I don't care about the lefty-righty thing. Got to keep playing Wade if he's producing. Judge obviously had a big night last night. Two home runs, five RBIs. It's been a while since Judge had a two-homer game. It's been a little bit. So that was nice to see. Stanton, obviously, too. He came through clutch with the with the go-ahead home run. So if we're going to criticize Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton a lot for not coming through in those big-time situations, well, I want to see us praise them, too. Because last night they were balls I don't know what that was. Last night, they were balls. They were ballsy, I guess, is, is what I was aiming for. They were good. They were good, man. They were tremendously clutch. So, that's that. It's unfortunate to lose that way. Uh, the Yankees, again, dropped this game 8-7. to seven. Tim Anderson with a walk-off homer on Zach Britton. Day off tomorrow. There were eight home runs in this game, which has me thinking. And if you just watched it, the way the balls were jumping off the bats, there were a couple of warning track hits too. A lot of hard hit balls. Do you think they used the juiced balls for this game? It makes sense. This was, you know, nationally televised and it was the big field of dreams game. But I really feel like they probably did use the juiced balls just for the excitement of the game to add to it. And it worked. It was a hell of a game. Really, really good, fun game to watch. From a baseball fan's perspective. <laughs> Alright, so that's it for the Yankees. Um, I, I do want to talk some UFC. So if you like MMA, and you watch MMA Saturday all the time, stay tuned for the second half of this show. Be right back. You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc. And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. All right, so, you know, I don't know if anybody's been following this whole thing. I don't like fucking drama and anything, but there's this whole, Conor McGregor, man, he's just, he's going after everybody. 
I'm a fan of Connor. I like his shit talking. But he's going after everybody on social media right now. He's going after DC for being drunk. At an event. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like to follow that shit. I don't, I don't care. Um, but I'm hearing that Thug Rose Namahunas is going to get that number two against saying, well, hey, that would be awesome. She took the belt last time out, obviously in the bigger event, that big pay-per-view earlier in the year. I don't remember which number it was, but that was one of the best cards I've seen in a while. Well, I've seen ever, and a lot of people will agree. She's coming back to what well, it's 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 rumored. It's not on paper yet, but there's 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 a lot of noise saying that they're going to get their number two, their rematch. I would be down. I I would be down for that. But more recently, coming up, um, there's no there's no fight this weekend. There are no. Uh, there's no MMA Saturday this weekend, but August 21st, there's a fight night coming up, which will be pretty fun. The middleweight main event um, between number nine ranked Kevin Gaslam, 16 and 7. He's going up against, um, who is it? Oh, uh, Jared Cannonier. I had to, had to pause and look for a second because I forgot who he was facing. But Jared Cannonier, who's 13 and 5, going, uh, going up against... Kevin Gaslam, who's the number nine ranked in the middleweight division. Now, Gaslam filling in here for Paulo Costa, who, I don't know if it was injury or something, but Gaslam's somebody who won in 258 to, to snap that three-fight streak. He picked up a victory in 258. Then he lost to Robert Whitaker more recently. So he's now one in four in his last five fights. Um, With that, there's a lot of talk. It's got Sean Strickland jawing, calling him a lazy. Try not to curse, but you know what I'm going to say. Calling him lazy. Um, saying how he has so much potential, but he's just lazy. You know, obviously not being able to make weight at 170. Um, but he said he was saying how he still thinks he can win this upcoming fight against Jared. Now, as for Jared, he's coming off a loss to Whitaker, where he broke his arm. That one snapped a three-fight win streak. So, it's going to be an interesting fight to see. I think it could go either way. Um, but that's the main event. I think Clay Guida is on the co-main. So, that's always fun to watch. Then, for UFC 2... Uh, no, I'm sorry. UFC on the 28th. There's another fight night card after that. Pretty quiet one. I don't know that I know any names on that card. But on September 4th, there's a good card coming up. Another fight night. But this is a pretty good fight night. You've got the middleweight main event between Derek Brunson, 22-7. and seven, Going up against Darren Till coming back. 18-3-1. and, three and one. Till is not only a great fighter, but he's so entertaining. He's an entertaining character. Uh, especially if you follow him on social media. This guy's a character. He's gotten in trouble on social media a few times to where he's gotten uh, suspended. I think the police have gotten involved once with some of the shit he shares. But 
This was an event that was actually supposed to take place in Till's home country, supposed to be in London, England, but it's now at the apex instead. But it's Till's first time back in the octagon since July 2020 when he lost to Whitaker. Um, he had some fights scheduled, but I think it was injuries that held him back. I know he had a knee injury and he was supposed to fight Marvin Vittori, the Italian dream, but I think he broke his collarbone. Uh, as for Derek Brunson, I remember that fight against Kevin Holland. A lot of trash talking from Holland. That was back in March. <laughs> I was watching that fight. I think it was a fight night car too, yeah. Uh, Brunson was, he's, he's, ever since losing to Izzy back in 2018, he's on a four fight win streak right now. So, he's feeling it. But he's still going into this one as the underdog. At plus win one uh, plus one fifteen, which I find very interesting, Till is uh, minus one fifty favorite. Then UFC two sixty six. If you fast forward a bit, it's going to be a bit, which sucks. It's like a month and a half from now, September twenty fifth. We get two sixty six, but that's a huge card. Definitely a big card. It might be one of the bigger cards of the year. Has potential to be. Uh, but then we're going to talk about the upcoming ones in a second. But this one is big. 266. You got a featherweight championship main event here between Alexander Volkanovsky, who holds the belt right now at 22 and 1, versus contender Brian Ortega at number 2. So Volkanovsky's the champ. I forget who number 1 is. But then Ortega is too. At 15-1. and one. I don't watch um, the Ultimate Fighter TV series. I want to though. I want to start watching it. Because I hear people like it. But this was supposed to headline UFC 260. If you remember. But COVID protocols got in the way. And now it's being pushed back to, to September 25th for 266. Uh, the the co-main event. The Women's Flyweight. You got Bullet Valentina Shevchenko coming back. She's always fun to watch. She's awesome. She's an artist at this game, man. Taking on Lauren Murphy. I love watching Valentina fight. She's a character. She is a master at this. One of my favorite fighters. Along with Amanda Nunes and Rose Namahunas. Those are like some of my favorites. But she's coming back for the co-main. And then you've got one of the prelims on the main card. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Number two. 17 years later. Diaz hasn't fought since... I think UFC 183. You know, back when he fought Silva. Where he lost initially, but it was eventually overturned. Because Silva tested positive for a couple of banned substances. Um, Diaz was then suspended because of marijuana. But he looks in great shape though. I know he's been training with his brother Nate, and he looks in great shape, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled out a win. I know Lawler's kind of been active, more active. He's currently at a four-fight losing streak, though. Losing to guys like Askren, I think Colby Covington, uh, Neil Magny, and I think Rafael, he lost to him too, Dos Anjos. 
He was supposed to fight Mike Perry at UFC 255, but had an injury there. But um, this is this is what I'm excited for. A lot of UFC fans. If you're a diehard MMA guy, this is a classic fight that you're looking forward to. Because it's been forever. Uh, the promotional video for this has you has you hyped too. If you've seen it, it it's exciting. UFC 267 on October 30th. It's going to be back in, in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. It's a fight card though. It's not a pay-per-view event. So this one's on ABC and ESPN. It's a fight card. It's a pretty damn good one, man. We've got light heavyweight champion. Polish power. The only loss on Izzy's record. Going up against Glover Teixeira. You've got bantamweight paper champ Aljo Sterling going against Petr Yang. Yang, obviously, it was looking like he was taking some momentum and was going to win that fight last time on the pay-per-view card earlier in the year. But obviously the illegal knee was it. So it ended up going to Sterling. So, I mean, that needs to happen. You know, you need to get that rematch. Um, and even the main card prelims for that card are fire. Amanda Rebos is coming in there. You've got a couple of uh, Habib's guys. Kamayev. Uh, Islam coming back again. Taito Ivasa will be on that card. Alexander Volkov. So. That's going to be a fun one to look forward to. I know that um, sometime soon Mackenzie Dern is coming back on a card. I think she's headlining a fight night. I don't know which one though. But UFC 268. That's November 6th. That's the one at Madison Square Garden. That I'm trying to get tickets to. As soon as they become available. We'll see what the prices end up being. I'm sure they won't be cheap. You got Kobe versus Usman number 2. On that card. As the main event. For the welterweight championship belt. And don't forget at some point this year. Maybe at the start of next year, but some point in the coming months, you're going to get in France, Francis Ngannou going up against Cyril Gan now for that belt. So a lot of stuff, man. UFC is going to be hype these next several months, man. It's, we might see some iconic, historic shit go down. So I'm excited to see all this happen. Very thrilled. So that's all we've got. I think we'll wrap it up here. Hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Thank you for stopping by. We're going to head to break one last time. When we get back, we'll wrap it up with the NYY NYK question of the day. Stay with us. All right, so for episode 272, our NYY NYK question of the day for that one, 
which Yankee won the World Series MVP in 1999? The answer to that question, Mariano Rivera. Now for our NYY NYK question of the day for episode 263 in this episode. Obviously talking Field of Dreams. Who played Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams? Probably easy. But let me know the answer. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. DM me or comment the answer once I publish the promo to this podcast. Guys, thanks so much. Again, if you haven't subbed to BD4, do so right now. Many platforms. Sub to the blog that I write. Find me on social media. Follow me there. All that information on my link tree. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed rest of the weekend. Take care. Ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Podcasting made easy. 